Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm joined by Hui Huen, uh, the Alabama woodworker. Hey, Sean. How's it going? And Guy Dunlap of Guy's Woodshop. Hey. Hello. What's up, Guy? Hey. <laughs> Did you all know that this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and to give you some of our perspectives on how we can get things done in our own shops? Well, now you know. We also have a Patreon account. Right now we have one level and we're simply asking for a small donation just to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash woodshop life to show your support. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our shops. But with that, let's get right into it. Guy, what's your first question? All right. This comes from Ty with a T. And Ty says, hey, crew. Just recently started listening to your podcast. I was hoping you guys could, could could discuss a topic I am wrestling with called glue creep. Ooh, mm. creepy. Last year, I completed two tabletop projects using Tyke Bond 2. One project, I used eight-quarter white oak, and the other was eight-quarter hard maple. Both dried 14 to 17% moisture content in southeast Indiana. Oh, fellow Hoosier. Nice. At the time of project completion, both tables were sanded smooth and finished, one with a stain and water-based poly, the other with Brie Wax. However, after a year, I can feel the glue seam of both tables with my fingernail, which I'm learning is a condition called glue creep. Absolutely correct, Ty. I'm not sure if it is because the wood is shrinking and the glue isn't, or the glue is expanding due to joint stress. The joints seemed rather tight from the joiner, and I used dowel rods, Triton dowel joint tool, to align them. Curious if it's the glue or joint stress from either not tight joint faces or dowel rods that are not aligned perfectly, causing joint stress. I do find that some dowels are not perfectly aligned when I clamp because the tool has a ton of issues. I recently bought a Domino Jointer XL, so I hope this helps with alignment. I would like to know how you avoid this as it poses a threat to the quality of my project. Thank you, Ty. Mm. Ty, I have had this happen to me before, and it is not any fun. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, though, since I've had it. How much separation did you get? I'm sorry. Did you hear me? Yes. How much separation did I get? Yeah. It wasn't really separation. It was just the boards becoming misaligned. Mm-hmm. One oh, higher, so one higher, one higher than the other. Yeah. So you can feel the ridge. It's very, it's very small. You know, it's a couple thousandths of an inch, but it's enough where you can feel it. Yeah. It's like a sheet of paper. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very, very thin, but you can feel it if you rub up against it. So I dealt with this too on a project, and I read a bunch of stuff, and what I determined, for me, anyways is that I was not clamping it long enough. PVA glue never fully hardens. Mm. And if you take it out of the clamps too early before the glue is completely dry, mm. the it tends the pieces tend to move even though you've got them locked you think you have them locked in with dowels. It's mm-hmm. still going to it's not the movement side to side it's a movement up and down it's almost like expansion and contraction Mm -hmm. but it's expanding Uh, in the vertical plane 
Yeah, in the vertical plane. Yeah, coming Ten, up through the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's one is getting thicker than the other, mm-hmm. and the glue is not holding it in place. Mm-hmm. What I found is that if I, and I still do it to this day, and I've talked about it a bunch of times, when I put my, you know, glue ups in clamps, mm-hmm. I let them sit for at least twelve hours before I take yeah. them out of the clamps. I do not take them out of the clamps early. I wait a good long time yeah. before I take them out. I make sure that glue is fully dry. Mm-hmm. So have you ever dealt with like, anything like this, Sean? Uh, with glue creep? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm s- sitting here and rubbing the desk in front of me. It's honestly not something that I've noticed. I'm not yeah. perfect, so I would imagine it's out there. I just not noticed it on any of my projects because perhaps I don't go rubbing them quite often to see if I have any, (laughs) but you know, I've never noticed. I mean, I'm not, I'm sure it's out there. I just not that I've never noticed it with my projects. Yeah. I sand it, finish it and it's good then. And then I don't touch the tops anymore. Honestly, I think it's really a a problem. Like I said, with expansion and contraction. Hmm. And it's just going in the opposite plane that you normally think it would. And, and then the glue not properly fully curing before taking it yeah, out of the clamps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what do you think, Wee? So I've experienced glue creep on my Maloof rocker, and it's it's understandable why because I built that chair in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know it was pretty much like the next morning we were taking stuff out of clamps, right? But I sort of knew that that would was going to happen. And so I actually didn't apply finish until weeks later when it was still in my shop and I was still sanding it. Other than that on tabletops, I've not, but mainly the reason why I haven't experienced it on like large fields is because especially a large glue up, I leave it in there for until at least the next day. Right. So I'll do it in the evening. And so then I won't take it out of the clamps in the morning. I'll wait till I come back from work that afternoon, you know, late afternoon and take it out. Sometimes not even till like later that night. By that point, that glue is, you're right, guy. It doesn't fully cure, but uh, it is significantly harder. uh, Yeah. In which case, you know, I can scrape it off. It's a a lot easier to scrape off too when it's harder. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was only in the Maloof rocker. And then, you know, I had the opportunity to sand it off. And I, I think that's ultimately this, the solution for if you're doing a piece like a Maloof rocker, but for a large field, I guess sanding, you could sand it and try to fare that edge. I don't know what the solution post that happening would be other yeah, than I, sand it down. Yeah, you got to sand it down. There's really no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering how to mitigate it. What's a what's a good practice? I just I've less glue, more clamp pressure. Is it yeah. too much glue? I guess clamping, making sure you have a they're in the clamps long enough. I, I can't think of anything else. If your if your joint is already if you already have a glue ready edge, right? I've seen glue creep, and I knew I was going to get glue creep and like little tiny. If I had like a little joint that. I didn't care if went together perfectly tight or whatnot. What's going on over there, Huey? <laughs> I've got kids, man. Man, she's loud. <laughs> she's four. 
remember when my wife was pregnant and we were we were just doing the podcast and at that point we were doing the podcast for a while she's four now we've been doing the podcast for like four years i know it's crazy but she's loud wow (laughs) sorry (laughs) we digress that's all right but uh what were we saying uh glue creep yeah the only other times where i've experienced it and not cared have been you know on the bottom of something that I was building in the shop or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care if it was a little, ah, well, whatever, you know, All right. it doesn't matter. Well, Ty, I wish I had a better answer for you. I, I really think it's an expansion and contraction thing. Mm. Um, it could be the, the, and like I said, the glue slide, the pieces sliding by one another, but with all that dolls and everything else, I don't think that's what the, the, the problem is. So, Would you yeah. use a more rigid glue such as a polyurethane or urea resin or epoxy? I don't think that I don't think that would help the expansion and contraction. Wood's going to do what it's going to do. Yeah, yeah, but is it could it be because the the PVAs are kind of rubbery? So as it continues to move, it's moving it around. Versus, yeah, I mean, you could use you could use epoxy. I don't know if I'd use urea resin to put a piece of furniture together. Um, uh, Hide glue is also very rigid, so you know that's there's hide glue. That's it. Possibly. It's a booger. I'm sure I have. Again, I'm I'm not saying I never get it. I just I've never I don't I don't rub the tabletops very often. Of most of it's at family members' homes, anyways. I don't have much of what I built, <laughs> so they're probably yeah. doing that. I'm like, man, what's wrong with this crappy furniture? So, all right, all right, we. What do you got for us for your first question? This question is from Adam. Adam asks. Good morning, gents. I recently finished a console table and had some questions about the joinery. The table and legs were two and three quarter inch thick and 15 inches wide solid poplar. For the joinery, I planned on using dowels and my Mastercraft drill guide. My first plan was to use three each leg, one and three eighths inch diameter dowels. But when I practiced the drilling guide with the drilling guide, I could not get repeatable 90 degree holes. I ended up using a simple guide and drilling half-inch dowels, but still had some small issues with alignment. So on the second leg, I made a template and things went much smoother. Anyways, I was wondering what you would have done without having a high-end drill guide, drill press, or domino. The legs were too big for me to feel comfortable uh, making a traditional tenon on my contractor saw. So that's why I went the direction of dowels. Anyway, the table turned out great. Just trying to think of new ideas for the next time. Thanks in advance. Big fan of the show, Adam. I looked at this. Uh, this piece is, it's, it, it looks kind of like a simple bench, but it's a table height. And uh, and I mean simple in that it's it's just rect- rectilinear, you know. So there are three planks uh, butt joint together to make uh, a console table. And if I didn't have a drill guide and I didn't feel comfortable on the table saw making a tenon, I thought about making a big, like loose tenon with a router. I think that would work just fine. Just, you know, cut the pocket or the mortise into the vertical section, cut the pocket or the mortise into the horizontal section. Fine. You could even use plywood or, uh, you know, cut it to the thickness of plywood or just make a tenon out of the same hardwood, uh, run it through the thickness planer and just make a tenon in there, a loose tenon, slip tenon, whatever you want to call it. What do you think, Sean? Uh, I, I agree. And I'm not, I'm, I was trying to think of an alternative just to help, but you know, 
they they're using a contractor saw. These are big. These are big big legs and bigger pieces. So mm-hmm. I mean, you you could obviously use the dado stack, but mm-hmm. again, you're going to have to route a pocket uh, yeah. for the mortise anyway. So you're going to need some sort of a well, router. Yeah, it sounds like he has like a job site saw. So I don't think he's putting a dado stack on. Yeah, well, yeah. You can I, use a regular. T- I, you can use a regular blade. <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere, guy. Yeah, yeah. due to multiple yeah. passes. Yeah, yeah. Right. You can do it. Can but do either it. way, well, I guess what I was going to say is you've got to cut the pocket at, anyway for the tenon or for the mortise. So if you're going to we'll do ahead, that, man. then you mm-hmm. might as well just use a router. Yeah, you could even have like a double, like a double fence setup. You know, just uh, so that uh, if you're using the same edge of the fence to uh, reference the, the edge, then just put like another double fence on there so that it slips right on sandwiches, both sides of that vertical piece, you know? Yeah. And take one off the other off when you're doing the, the yeah, course. yeah, yeah. So, and you're always referenced off the same face quick yeah. and easy, man. That's, that's what I would do. Um, with, what are you saying? I, oh. So in other words, I agree with you, Fui. That's what I would do. I'm not, I can't think of another way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- there's ways, but. There's ways. But I'm surprised that he had issues with the drill guide. Uh, Sean, a guy, have you ever used the Mastercraft drill guide? And if you haven't, what kind of drill guide do you got? Well, the Mastercraft <clears throat> brand does not uh, speak of huge quality. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's a very inexpensive yeah. drill guide. I build tables like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Some of them as long as 12 feet long, 42 inches high, yeah. four or five feet wide. They weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, we build tables like, we call them slab leg tables. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a big, you know, big slab. hunk of wood on either side and a big hunk of wood across the top. Yeah. We join those together with dominoes. Yeah. And that's it. Uh-huh. And they we have not had one fail. Okay. Um, big domino, small domino. Big dominoes. So big domino. it doesn't sound like this gentleman has a domino XL. So. Yep. I would recommend what's already been recommended. Mm-hmm. Router, jig, loose tenons. That's yep. how I would do it. Yep. And you'll get a little, it'll come out right. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's not a, not a big cost in equipment if you don't have it, mm-hmm. um, and you can always use another router or use yep. a router if you don't have one. Yep. Get a good plunge bit, and uh, yeah, just I would just use loose tenons on it. Yeah, and it'd be more than enough. All right, cool. Well, Adam, hope that helps. Uh, Sean, you've got the third question. That's right, I do. Okay, this is from Steven. Wanted to start off by saying how much I enjoy listening to you all. Been learning quite a bit from the three of you. My question seems fairly simple, but I know it can turn into a can of worms depending on who you ask. Anyways, considering the woods, walnut, red oak, white oak, paduke, and other species similar to those listed, what would be each of your top three finishes and why? Finished look that I'm not after is shiny or plastic looking. I feel it looks really tacky. I'm more towards flat and matte. Thanks for everything y'all do, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one, and then I'm going to pass it on. We're all going to have the similar answer, so I don't know if we 
if we have non non differences or different finishes between us. The the type of finish that I love on pretty much all of those. I've never used red oak in my life, um, but I've used walnut, white oak, and paduke. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm you know, there's obviously the the wiping varnishes and stuff, but I'm going to go with a something different, and I'm going to say the Osmo Pollux. I think is a good finish. Not, you know, we're not talking, give me tabletop ready finish that, you know, that I can pour hot water onto for 17 hours and not have any issues, (laughs) but easy to apply, has a great low sheen to it that does not look shiny or plastic is, you know, I'm not saying it's my most favorite. I'd probably go with the wiping varnish or something, but this is something that I don't mind using as well as the Osmo Pollux is one of my top five that and I'm sure the other three will get will get uh, picked here in a minute, but that's one that I'll pick. I'm going to go, guy. What, what is your, what's one that we can keep going until we run out of them? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's yes. a really easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. What my top three finishes are, but we talk about all that stuff so often. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, so I'm going like to take. I'm going to take a little bit of direction, the, the same direction that Sean takes. Instead of saying the obvious things. Uh huh. Which would, can I say the obvious things? Yeah, let's say the obvious things. Please. Yeah, let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Shellac. Yep. Armor seal. Yep. (laughs) And those are the two obvious ones. Yes. The third one would be water based -based poly. Yeah, but he doesn't want a water based poly. Oh, okay. All I was saying is those are the, I I don't think water water based poly looks shinier plastic looking you just don't okay. put 50 coats on yeah i think water-based poly is a good poly i i use that stuff all the time mm-hmm. uh anyway so that being said mm. um above and beyond that i know i've mentioned this before i know you guys are not big fans but water locks oh I yeah. love the look. Hate the smell. Yeah. Love the look. I, I really like water locks. It's a pain in the ass to put on. Mm-hmm. It takes a really long time to dry. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's when it does dry, it gives you a really good, tough finish, and it's got a great look to it, especially on cherry. Mm. I agree. Mm. We. I've used the hard wax oils just like you, Sean, for three client builds, and they love it. Tell us what and it is. Like a Rubio. I've used it three times for three different client builds, and they're, they're happy with it. Um, but these are until, people until, that are- Until they put something wet on it, and it ruins the finish. Now, God, that wasn't part of the, of the rules. Oh, I know. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you still have to you still have to use a coaster, um, but they've been happy with it, and it seems to be holding up all right. I mean, they're in dining rooms of people that don't really use their dining rooms other than three times a year. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Okay, ease of use, no special equipment. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to say the next thing that I really enjoyed using is the 
the Sam Maloof oil wipe on oil poly. I mean, it smelled well, I shouldn't talk about the smell, but I didn't mind the smell at all. It's not like I go and open the can in the morning and huff it, but (laughs) I really I thought it was a a good wipe on, wipe off, uh, poly slash oil finish that you don't hear a lot of people. Maybe a lot of people do talk about it, but that's that was going to be my my next uh, isn't it like kind of like a Danish oil blend? It's just like poly, well, linseed oil. Um, there's like two different ones. There, yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. There's and, an oil one and then there's the oil poly mix one. Yeah. For like the little bit more protection. Yeah. I yeah. always did the hand rubbed, uh, the oil one. And Whew. again, it's a good looking finish. But again, yeah. it, you know, we're just, it's not something that I'm like, you know what? That's, I'm going to go and only use that. Yeah. So that that's just another one that I like that I thought made walnut look amazing. We already told, said shellac, so I don't, I don't know. Guy, you got to have something. Come on, guy. Well, another one of my favorite finishes, it's nothing exotic or anything, but one of my favorite finishes to put on is, is water-based conversion varnish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's super, super easy to spray. Mm-hmm. It's rock hard. It's easy to repair. It's uh, just, just sand and respray. I've I've just used a Q-tip and put some on it, and you know, filled a couple little dents and cracks in here and there. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a it's a good tough finish. Mm-hmm. It's and as I said, it's very easy to apply. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so funny story because I talked to Sean about this, but uh, I was using a four-inch roller on a on a large field and I, I called Shauna. I said, Hey, I've used a roller before, but for whatever reason, I'm getting these long strokes. And he says, well, did streaks. you try spraying it? Streaks. Yeah. Streaks. So like, did you try spraying it? Like, no. He's like, yeah, for a bigger field, it's better to spray it. It's like, why didn't I think of this? I know this. <laughs> and then it looks great. You send me a picture of it. it looks silky smooth now. <laughs> Yeah, I know better. If I have the equipment, just just use it, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Let's see. I mean, tried and true. People have had success with that. Again, these aren't like high film finishes that are going to give you protection. These are just alternatives yeah. depending on the project. Um, but yeah, and like Guy said, Armor Seal with a satin looks fantastic. Yeah, it really does. A shellac rubbed out with steel mm-hmm. wool and paste wax I like, mm-hmm. which looks fantastic. Um, yep. So hopefully those help you. And I think we've covered pretty much everything short of a spray lacquer or probably pretty close to everything. So hopefully that helps Steven. And after their first round of questions, I'm going to talk a little bit about our sponsor and that's 3M. How do you make sanding glamorous? You can't trust us. We've been trying since 1902, but we can make it faster and cleaner thanks to 3M Extract Abrasives. Loaded with 3M Science, these discs will get the job done fast. The long disc life means that you won't spend as much time changing discs. And thanks to our amazing net construction, you can sand in your Sunday's best and still look clean when you're done. Go now to go.3m.com forward slash extract two to request a sample or buy now. That's G-O dot the number three letter M dot com slash X-T-R-A-C-T-2. 
you'll find a 3M Extract Cubitron 2 Net Disc 710W, the most advanced sanding disc ever made, and its little brother, the 3M Extract Disc 310W. 3M Extract, sand less, make more. All right, Guy, what do you have for us in your next question? This comes from Mike from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And he says, I am a hobbyist woodworker and constantly battling kids' clutter and vehicles in my shop. (laughs) All my tools are mobile, but one challenge that I come across is finding level ground to set up my tools on. My garage has a floor with a drain in the center of it, Mm. and the floor is all slope inward accordingly, making it difficult to set up level and flat. For example, my belter contractor saw and outfeed table. Any suggestions that you may have other than re-pouring the floor or building it up would be greatly appreciated. Mike from Calgary. Mike, that's a very common thing in a garage. My garage from where the man door is that connects it to the house, to the garage door, drops almost four inches. Oh, wow. So that anything you spill on there runs towards the garage door and you open up, you know, it'll flow out. I don't have a Same here. So that's a very common thing, but I'm lucky to have a couple flat spots, um, but they're not where I need to put my equipment most of the time. So there's really not much you can do other than creating bases that account for it and putting the equipment in the same spot every time. So yeah. let me give you let me give you an example. Let's say you've got a mobile base mm-hmm. and you know that that being level is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Who cares if it's you know a degree off being level? We really want it flat so the saw doesn't flop around mm-hmm. on one on, on one leg. So Put it on a mobile base like you do, but shim that stuff under on the mobile base between the saw and the mobile base. Right. So you can compensate for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then always put the saw back in the same spot. I have right. a I have a out or a, not an outfit table, but an assembly table that I have. I have a torsion box top on it, but I also have about 18 or 19 Festool sustainers full of tools in it. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. I mean, really, really heavy. I And I leveled that in a specific spot on my garage floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's not only flat, but it's level. And I had to shim the top and do all kinds of stuff to get it level. But in that right. one spot on my floor, that assembly table is perfectly flat and perfectly level. It's mm-hmm. the only thing in my shop that's level. Everything mm-hmm. else slopes. So uh, there's, like I said, there's really not much you can do. I would recommend shimming the 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 the. The, not the mobile bases, but the tools on the mobile bases. Hui? What yeah. Do you think? In my old shop and my current shop, while I don't have a drain, I do the exact same thing. So I use little blocks that I know to shim at specific locations. And I just mark out with 
a Sharpie marker, a Sharpie marker, or if you're worried about, you know, marking up your floor, you could use a, was it tape? Yeah, put tape. duct tape on the thing so yeah. the wheel goes here kind of thing. Right. And anytime, even though I never moved my stuff all that often, and I don't now, uh, they're all marked just so that when I need to, if I ever need to move it, uh, I can, and I can just put it back and, you know, it, it, you're right. Uh, it matters more so flat than level. Unlike, you know, maybe an assembly table in your case, guy. Yeah. I just didn't want my stuff rolling off of it more than anything yeah. else. And I figured while I was building it, I could do it pretty easy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's a good idea. Yeah. And same thing, mark the floor, level the tools, meaning, um, my bandsaw, leveled it enough to where I know it's going to be, mark the floor, move it back. And the same shimmed my, my drill press, the base is actually warped. So I shimmed that so that it didn't move and that's mm-hmm. good enough. But my assembly table is also my outfit table. So as long as my table saw and that were in the same plane, yeah, is all I needed. Mm-hmm. What It's not level, same plane. I'm good. So that's kind of what, how it works in, in my shop. So yes, I agree. Guy was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I hope that helps. Um, I know it wasn't a lot, a lot of different ideas, but that's, I still think it's a relevant question and a lot of people have the same problem. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people will be able to get something out of that. So Wheat, mm-hmm. what do you got for us? All right. So this is from Patrick Bach, PDB Creations. I've had the bad fortune of being burned by a few clients. Um, I unfortunately have never been there, but I I feel for you, man. Uh, The common denominator in these experiences being that I either didn't ask the right questions or set the right expectations in the intake stage of the process. For instance, one client refused to pay the balance he owed on a Murphy bed because it took too long to finish. The reason it took so long, however, was that the bed I built for him was too big to fit up his stairs. Uh, so I had to build a second that could be assembled on site. Oh. On other occasions, I've had clients request a custom quote or design, then balk at the price and fu- and vanish on me, leaving me out several several hours of work designing a piece I no longer have any intention of building. I'd love to hear what your intake process is from the moment you receive a request to when you build, start building so you can anticipate and sidestep potential issues such as these. I modify my intake questionnaire each time I have one of these experiences, for example, charging a design fee, asking whether there is a clear path to the landing site, etc. Well, I never actually asked that, but but I worry there's icebergs I don't see and would love to benefit from your knowledge. Thanks again, Patrick. Yeah, this is this is great. What do I do? I don't have a questionnaire. I do have charge a design fee if I'm producing a design for somebody either that uh, that somebody could actually build the the piece with. Uh, if I'm doing that, yeah, I do charge a design fee. But for the most part, I just I give estimates on you know rough size of sizes of what I think uh, the piece will be. I try to uh, estimate higher than lower that way. It's always much easier to come down in price than it is to go up in price with clients. So I always overestimate material costs and I try not to give 
anything away. I, I, I sort of ha always have the stipulation that if I design it for you, if you pay for the design, whatever the design fee is, if I provide that to you, th that design fee goes towards uh, the cost of building that piece. If it's you, it's yeah. basically waived. Right, exactly. Yeah. What questions to ask? Uh, I just sort of state those things up front. Hey, you know, great to meet you. I'd love to work with you. This is how the process works. If uh, you'd like me to design something for you, it's this much. Uh, you get that towards the build. Uh, the build. Uh, if you just want a very quick estimation that could very much change based on what your what's required in the design, here's a rough estimation. That's typically what I do, and it's nothing. I've never had to go up in price, thankfully. I don't know. Maybe I'm asking the right questions or I'm attracting the right clients. But I mean, there's a lot of things that I say no to as well, because I just have a feeling. Guy, do, do you kind of understand where I'm coming from with that at all? Yep. Um, you just have a feeling. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> this guy's a jerk. I do not want to do business with him. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on where you are in your business. I mean, some sometimes you have to take everything that comes through the door. Yeah, yeah. But there's other times when it's like, hey, I've got a lot of business ready. I don't need the hassle because this mm -hmm. guy is obviously going to be a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. um, as far as questions go, I mean, there's only so many questions you can ask a customer mm -hmm. and it sounds like Patrick already has a decent list of questions. He's getting burned by stuff that is kind of unforeseeable. Mm -hmm. I think the, the thing with the, the not being able to get the Murphy bed up the stairs, I think that is foreseeable. And I don't know if that's the mm -hmm. customer. That's a cut. I don't, and please don't take this wrong way, Patrick. I don't think that was a customer issue. I think that was a problem that you created. Mm. Mm -hmm. because uh, that being and I said, think that's what he's trying to avoid that I being think. that being well you got to go out and you got to do a yeah. site survey yep and again I, i'm not disparaging you patrick please don't take it that way i think the customer still should pay you mm -hmm. yes. i think that that is definitely a problem that is definitely a customer problem yeah. you know especially it's like hey i built it can't get it up and well, I'm going to rebuild it. You know, and the guy says he's going to pay for it. Yeah. You know, he's still liable for it. Um, yeah. I agree with you fully on the design fee. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, my idea of a customer coming in and say, yeah, I want to get this, this, can, can you draw it out? Sure. Here's a crayon. <laughs> and here's a paper towel and I'm going to draw it out for you. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> Because I don't want to spend two or three hours in front of a right. computer doing CAD work mm -hmm. or working in SketchUp, and the guy just takes it and goes somewhere else. Right, exactly. Yeah, screw that. Charge them for it and say, you know, if you, and when you buy the project, mm -hmm. I'll deduct that from the, the price. Yep. yep. Um, I've, I've never had an issue from anybody. The other the other way to do a lot of this stuff too is is get your money up front. You can't get all of it, mm -hmm. but tell them that you need a fifty percent down. It's common. I want fifty percent down, and that mm -hmm. should cover most of your costs. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe not for your time, but at least your time. Your but it definitely definitely cover your your material costs. I would think. Yes. So. Uh, 
or it should, or else you're not pricing it right. Yeah, well, that's that's a, that's another discussion. Sure. But yeah, you're right. But getting at least fifty percent down mm-hmm. ensures that no matter what, you're going to get your at least your you're not going to be out everything you you bought. Mm-hmm. So um, you can also go thirds, third now, a third while it's in production, and a third yeah. on delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm sorry, my daughter's so loud. I am so sorry. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> um, I try, man. <laughs> I really don't. Like I said I don't know how many questions you can a- ask. Yeah. So, Before it becomes a, you know, are you interrogating? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, and I think it's a lot what you said. We, it's a feeling. It's just I know this guy's going to be a nightmare. The biggest problem we have at work is the salespeople not setting the proper expectations, uh, especially yeah. on finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we will do like an ash table, which is a very open grain wood mm-hmm. with a you know matte finish on or whatever. And it, you know, if you look across in certain raking light, you can see the grain. You know, it's mm-hmm. the table isn't perfectly flat. There's little things in there from the open grain, right? Yep. Yep. Customers go, ah, it's not perfectly flat. And we bring it back and have to, you know, grain fill it and refinish it. What do you use? What do you guys use for a grain fill? Um, We've used Crystalac. We've used a couple others. Anyways. Sorry. But we still, we still, we still have to do that. And it just, it's kind of like, well, you know, you would think that we would set the expectations with the customer. It's like, hey, you, this is the finish you want. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, it's ash. Yeah. And it's wood. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have, it's going to look like this or bring a sample of it or something. Stuff yeah. like that, I think, is avoidable. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest thing is to, is to, Avoid things that can sour a customer. Yeah. Yeah. So. I I, I think that was just an overlook of unforeseeable thing on his part. Yeah. Uh, It's hard for me to get burned when I give stuff away for free. So I don't have much input. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I'm working on a commission piece now, but it's just with the close friends. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to get burned and they trust, they fully trust my vision with the project and all that. So unfortunately I don't have much to add to this that you all haven't already added. I just, Mm -hmm. I just kept quiet and let you all take the, (laughs) and run the run with the ball on this one. (laughs) The the only only other thing I can add, and this is something I was not a hundred percent on, but I was very adamant about. Mm -hmm. I am not a delivery company. I am a furniture maker. Yeah. I am not going to deliver this piece. Mm. You have to come pick it up. I am not going to help put it in your truck. I am not going to do anything. There it is. You load it. You take it to your house. Oh, I've always delivered all of mine. I don't want to be involved. I'm not a moving company. Yeah. Hmm. So if it's got to go through doorways and and be slipped, but sideways, uh-uh, not me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. You need to get a couple of your buddies or hire professional movers. 
if you want, I have, I, I know some guys that are professionals and I can have them do this for you. And here's how much it's going to cost, but I am not going to do it. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. Very good point. I never, I would never install anything. You know, people want mm. built-ins. Nope. Mm. Because you didn't want to do site work. Um, no, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with installing anything in a customer's house. Yeah. I don't want to bring my tools through the, through the house. I don't want to walk on their floors. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. I don't want any part of it, Mm. but that was me. That doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. So a lot of people have to do that. A lot of people have to be installers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if they're selling that type of product, yeah, that's just, I just don't, people ask me to do building. No. Yeah. You did that Murphy bed for that one client. That was my wife's best friend. Yes. So that's so why, if you're, that's so why it happened. Listen, everybody, if you're best friends with Guy's wife, you might do it. You get a free Murphy bed. <laughs> no, it wasn't free. She paid. She paid. Yeah. She paid I imagine. I, I imagine you you charged her properly. Yeah. Not 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 incorrectly, right? No, you, she, I'm sure she you didn't overcharge her, but she she paid regular price for it. So. Yep. Um. But it was my wife's best friend. I, I see her all the time. Oh. So, anyways. And she likes the Murphy bed? Yes. Yes. All right. I think it's Sean. Yep. On to me for the, yep. for the last question. Hello, everyone. Wondering what materials you prefer when building boxes. I see many people use Baltic birch ply, but wondering if you prefer using solid wood over the ply. Soft maple, poplar. Paul at Twin Lake Woodshop. Hmm, this is a good question, and I guess I have I have two uh, approaches on this. If I'm wanting to veneer, obviously I'm going to go with a Baltic birch or a some sort of yeah. I'm just going to stick with Baltic birch. I'm going to let I'm not going to say all the possibilities. I'll let the other guys, but I'll use Baltic birch on that um, mm-hmm. if I'm going to veneer. But if not, I if it's a smaller box, not well, even if it's a decent sized box, I like using solid wood as well especially if I have that off cut that I know that I can't use on a larger project that has some really awesome grain. Um, I'll save those boards and use those for, for box building. Mm-hmm. I have some bird's eye maple that I have just half a board left and it's, you know, that's perfect for a lid or a, a bottom or something like that. And I've got mm-hmm. some really nice cherry that I've only got a couple of small pieces. So I, I hold on to off cuts that, you know, I use for boxes. Um, and then if I'm veneering, I will um, quite often veneer using Baltic birch plywood because it's a higher quality plywood and, mm-hmm. and it's about the only stuff that I can get that's semi-flat in my area. Um, so I will use that for the veneered boxes. Um, and there's other material for the, like if I'm doing a liner, I can't remember what it's called, mm-hmm. that I'll use. It's the It's like the thin chipboard i think maybe i've used i can't remember i know i've also used eighth inch plywood for mm. uh liners and you know putting a felt or something like that um but that's primarily what i will use for boxes um we what outside of that what have you uh what are your beliefs on on the material for boxes so i use typically either a maple or a, a birch ply and i don't typically use baltic birch because I think my distributor only has half inch Baltic birch. 
but they do have the full sheets of birch. It's just not, you know, Russian birch or Baltic birch. What's, what um, thicknesses are you going with? Uh, three quarter inch. For boxes? For like cabinet boxes? See, that's how I thought this was too, but I think it ended I'm, up being- I'm, I'm looking at it thinking it's drawer boxes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, drawer boxes? Okay. Only- no, no, let's, let's approach it that way. I'll approach it with oh. like a, a regular box. We yeah, you said can- boxes. Right. I like um, that idea. Let's all approach it differently. <laughs> but like, so for instance, my, uh, my telephone bench that I built, that is made out of three quarter inch birch ply, but not Baltic birch ply. Uh, <laughs> I guess because it depends, excuse me, it depends on the region that it comes from, but this is just um, like, domestic birch or whatnot or something like i don't know uh well i know the maple ply that i get is domestic because the price of the import versus the domestic stuff is like the same price now so i just go with the domestic is that do you go pre-finished um well if i'm if i'm veneering obviously not um (laughs) but if i'm building boxes like cabinets and they're going to be painted on the outside so i'll just have one side pre-finished Okay. Well, but if it's like fine furniture type boxes that I'm going to veneer or something like that, then yeah. No. Yeah. And obviously really it's, yeah, it's either just going to be some type of maple or Baltic or excuse me, not Baltic birch, birch ply, not specific, uh, specifically Baltic birch. And I want to say that my distributor only carries it in five by five for whatever reason. Yeah. Baltic birch. Yeah. That's what it comes in five by five. Yeah. So. And, but the birch ply comes in four by eight. Yeah. Mine has Russian birch that's in five by ten, five by ten as okay. well as as five by five. It's expensive. Yeah. Well, back in the day when I could get it, but I'm glad we're <laughs> taking different approaches on this because I wasn't sure either. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I originally first read this question is like building boxes. Okay, that like boxes, like you know, small boxes. That's what I thought. But yeah. then it says many people using Baltic birches ply. I've never seen anybody make a little box out of Baltic birch. If you're yeah, familiar, either. But I use solid wood if I'm veneering a small box because I, I don't want to see edge grain. It says right. you prefer using solid wood over the ply, like soft maple or poplar. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a drawer box. Yeah, I didn't. So if you're if you're looking at it in that respect, I I always use a hardwood, not necessarily that soft maple or poplar is considered hard, mm-hmm. but it is. It, they're both hardwoods. Um, every now and then I make drawer boxes with plywood and edge band them, but not that often. They're almost all, you know, soft maple or even your, even in your shop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we use mainly under mount drawer slides Uh and we use five eighth inch maple. Oh, I mean your your like uh, your shop furniture, your shop furniture. I mean for like shop furniture or stuff we're making for people. I'm talking about just drawer boxes in general. Yeah, but drawer boxes. What about drawer boxes in your shop? Do you just make them out of like plywood? shop cabinets? Yeah, yeah. I just make them out of whatever I have laying around. It's a shop cabinet. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we were talking about that. Yeah, I don't think we were. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what we did. And somebody yeah. for whatever for we that. did, I just, yeah. I just brought so it up. It really, it really depends on what I'm making. I mean, most of the time, if it's for, if it's, if it's for a customer, and uh-huh. you know, 
they're they're going to be soft soft maple is what I've used for years mm-hmm. for yep. for drawer sides. Mm-hmm. So soft maple with uh with undermount drawer slides is is the way to go. Yeah, uh, you can use poplar, but I prefer soft maple. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, for the price of Baltic birch, and I couldn't even get it now. I can get you know thirteen sixteenths poplar or soft maple at my local place and. Like I was saying, use that 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I made a double dresser for a client. Undermount, drawer slides, soft maple side, soft maple back, front. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to edge band it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul. That was pretty good wording. You got three answers in one. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you wanted it or not. <laughs> we were like, what? I, I read it like this. I, did, I was I like, like, boxes. This. Does he mean cat? No. Well... Okay. I was like cabinet boxes. Oh, it, like I don't <laughs> – because then I was like thinking that, oh, he must mean like the different plies, like soft maple or maple ply, poplar ply, right? Like, yeah. Or, and no, it's a solid bird. wood. Yeah. I, I, I see that now. <laughs> hey, you know, that's that's oh. a three for one right there. So, yeah. yeah. All right, Good cool. Worth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um mm-hmm. So that's all of the questions. What do we got going on in our shop? And uh, hui, tell yes. ask, hui, ask guy to kick it off. Guy, <laughs> how about you go first? <laughs> right. I, I don't have anything going on in my shop as usual. Um, I'm still in the office quite a bit because of the the health issues I have. But I actually got out in the shop today for a couple hours. Nice. And it felt really good. I was really milling? I was really <laughs> happy out there. And then I had I had about two hours then I had to go inside for for uh, some classes I was I was giving. Oh nice. So um, yeah the students were showing a show up at nine o'clock and they've been They've been, you know, all this week so far and tomorrow. So, how long do you get them? Uh, all day. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. from nine to four thirty. Yeah. Good crew. Good crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I resawed some ash today. Uh, that was it. That nice. was my that was my big shop project, resawing smash. Nice. What about you, Sean? Um, I'm finished or not finishing, making a lot of progress on the um, this bench, live edge bench that I'm making uh, for a buddy, and um, I forgot how how filming stuff slows you down. Um, yeah, but cut tapers in the cherry legs, cut those a size, cut the aprons a size. Um, I shared on Instagram, uh, the, the aprons are 80 inches long. Um, so a little bit longer than that in their rough state. So I use the track saw to give, you know, to, to a straight line rip one side of them. Um, so that worked out pretty well. Um, nice. now just got to cut the domino joinery, uh, cut the angles on it, cut the domino joinery, put it together, show the, uh, my buddy so he can make a decision on how wide the base is because of the, the live edge slab. We got a little, a little something that we're working on with it. Um, the, the, the ash slab curves a little bit. So if you make the base a little bit wide, wider than, you know, than I wanted to make it, you'll see part of the apron 
peek out underneath the slab and then go back under it again. Um, I thought that looked pretty cool. So we're going to just look and see what that looks like. Or, you know, if it doesn't look right, then we'll just cut the aprons shorter, put it under, tuck it underneath the slab um, and then glue it up and then uh, flatten the slab and then apply finish and we're done. So how are you going to flatten the slab? You got a router sled that you're going to use? Yep. I have a router sled. Messy. Nice. Yep. But you know what? We all can have 75 inch seven head <laughs> drum sanders with four helical head <laughs> cutters on it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Us hobbyists don't have that. Yeah. That's right. I don't have that either. I hope you have access to it. Which is <laughs> no, nice. I'm not allowed to use that. We're not allowed to use any of that stuff for personal use. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. They put the kibosh to it about a year and a half ago. Oh, dang. Oh, wow. Nobody's allowed to bring in any personal stuff and nobody's allowed to make any personal projects there oh and you and you get no well yeah i understand you have to be the example too yep well yeah that's a shame i was gonna bring it over there to you you can bring it over here i can't do anything with it (laughs) we can use a router sled hey make the mess in your shop um so that's that we what about you so Sean, you know I called you about the water-based poly that I couldn't get the streaks out of from the roller. Yeah. And then you said, did you try spraying? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. And you said, you should spray it. And I did it, and it came out perfect. And so then it got delivered on Saturday. Today's Wednesday. Uh, client loves it, uh, paid for it. And, uh, you, you know, something that broke while I was delivering it was the wooden button for whatever reason like a piece of it had split off and so uh i told her that i'd remake that piece but she she didn't care either way but yeah that's what i did this week that's about it in the shop but i got two kids and you can hear them (laughs) (laughs) all right cool I think that will do it for the show please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community So if you have questions, send them on over so we can answer them for you, right or wrong, probably right. Um, (laughs) If you have those, you can send them through our podcast contact page. That's a hard thing to say there at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. We'd also like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. You can reach me at simplecove.com and at simplecove on Instagram and YouTube. What about you, Hui? Where can they find you? Alabamawoodworker.com. And Guy? Um, just most uh, social media platforms, Guy's Woodshop. Excellent. There you go. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks. See you. See you guys. Bye. Bye.